When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey, hey, where you been? Buckeye Talk is about to begin Hey, 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 come on in Welcome back to the big Wednesday Buckeye Talk. It's Doug Laverice and Nathan Baird. Stephen Means on vacation, and we are drafting again because we love drafting so much. I know our guy T. Shu, who's going to be on soon, Tyler Shoemaker, the unofficial official bookmaker of Buckeye Talk, will join us on a future pod because some of his power rankings are done, and he was kind enough to volunteer his time, and we are always eager to take him up on that. So we'll have him on soon. We'll talk about some expectations for different teams and his power rankings, that kind of thing. But he said, Nathan, uh, something, the effect of anytime the Buckeye talk guys are drafting anything, he will listen. So that was like, I mean, it's like, we are stretching the boundaries of draft them on this, but we keep finding something to draft. Yeah. And I, I think we have also come up with the idea that there needs to be some way to really give the other people that you're drafting with the shaft. And I think we, we may have helped come up with that this time too. Yeah. I had a nice little idea. Hey, we can just talk about football and draft some stuff. And Nathan was like, but then what if you can't draft a thing, if someone else takes it, because again, I mean, you act like, Oh, well, I guess you have shafted other people, but mostly it's shafting me. Buckeye talk. I mean, it's not, it's not like, Oh, let's shaft. I don't know who might get shafted. It's like, no, let's shaft Doug. That's Shaft, Doug. So what we're going to do, we're going to draft, and we have some texter stuff because I asked the texters about this several weeks ago, and if you want to be a texter, you can join us. It's the summer, but I've got some stuff planned also. This is going to be happening, um, I think, on the pod in conjunction with the text because we like to combine everything together. Steven's on vacation the next two weeks. Nathan's on vacation after that. We have people moving in and out. I was out for a while uh, a couple of weeks ago. But I would like to do some Mount Rushmore stuff. Sometimes I think like the Mount Rushmore stuff is cliched and I get it. And we have four presidents, whatever. But in thinking about it, a a texter brought it up as the idea. And we'll give them credit for that when we get to it. And just off the top of my head, thinking about it, Nathan. When I think about the four greatest quarterbacks, running backs, receivers, linebackers, cornerbacks, coaches in Ohio State history, It feels like to me for a lot of them, just where things are right now, for a lot of them, there are like five or six candidates for the four spots, which makes it very interesting to me that even it's like, oh, well, now Justin Fields, his career is done. So when you're talking about what's your Mount Rushmore of Ohio State quarterbacks, right? And it's like, well, Troy, right? Rex Kern, right? But now you start, well, where's JT Barrett? Where's Justin Fields? Where's... Dwayne Haskins, where's Braxton Miller, right? Like you start having debates. You th- what J.K. Dobbins did in his career. Oh, who are the four running? Oh, Arch- obviously Archie, Archie Griffins. You could put Archie's head up twice because he won two Heismans. But then you start and get, okay, Ezekiel Elliott, right? All right, well, J.K. is the second all-time leading rusher. 
Well, what if, like you start getting into some, and then even like Ryan Day's only been here two years, but it's like four coaches. Well, of course, Woody, obviously. And then it's like Trestle and Urban and Paul Brown, Ryan Day, Earl Brute. Like, like I like where some of the things are, Nathan, that I, I want to get into some of this Mount Rushmore stuff. So we may do a little bit of that while you're on vacation. Don't be offended, but I may do some of that with the texters. If the texters want to be part of that, when we do those, we're going to have a lot of texter input. 614-350-3315. You send the text there. 14-day free trial, four bucks a month after that. We'll get a lot of texter input on that. And then we've done our nonsense brackets. We've also done football brackets. I would like to do another football bracket in the month of July. And I sent it out to texters this week, Nathan. I'm thinking about either like greatest games of this century in Ohio State football. Maybe we only go to 32 teams, but obviously, I mean, you're talking about, you know, they've won two national championships, right? So, but we're going to have some fun with the greatest games or like your greatest, the greatest villains slash nemeses of Ohio State slash weasels. And that I might expand into all time, but that you get into... I think players and coaches, right? And I think you could say, well, Dabo's in there, like Bo Schembechler's in there. Jim Harbaugh might be in there as a player and as a coach, two separate guys, right? I mean, I think, I don't know. Like, I think we could have some fun with that. Do either of those sound reasonably appealing to you as bracket ideas? I think they both do. I think they both have some merit. I mean, we know that people like the retalkables and doing that games bracket kind of uh, is a speed dating version of that a little bit. And we'll get to, to do a lot of you know, reminisce about a lot of games, but I think people would like that second one too, as long as we also came up with, I mean, it, it, it would have to be on the caveat that you're voting for the most villainous, most weaselly, like the more villainous someone is, the more you hate them. That's actually what you would base voting them into the next round on. And I think yeah. that could be a tough, thing for some people's brains to to figure out but um or their hearts i guess would be a better example um but i, I think it's worth a try so i think i and we get a lot of texture input on that so if any of that sounds interesting to you we're gonna do one of those i think in the month of july and we'll get that figured out so we've just got a lot of moving parts it's always a little different in the summer um and just a couple quick things from me again if you guys listen to the tuesday podcast you know that we are also starting a national college football podcast that I am going to host with um, Shehan J. Haraja, who is a great college football writer from Texas. He was on the Tuesday podcast. I explained that all. That's going to start the first week in July. So that is coming. And the other thing that I just want to mention very quickly, Nathan, is that like my book is like at the printer. I have been doing like various editing things and going over things one night in Disney world in early June, I was up until three o'clock in the morning, editing chapters and making sure there weren't any mistakes. I'm still sure I made mistakes in there. It makes me sick to my stomach. I don't know. It, it makes me sick every day, Nathan, to think about like, cause I make mistakes all the time, but if I just say something wrong, eh, I don't know, just a podcast, no offense to podcast listeners. I don't mean to act like I don't care if I make a mistake, but you know, it's a little freewheeling. I'm a little freewheeling and loose. So to have a thing that it will exist that is not vanishing off into the netherworld of the internet in an hour or into a podcast that it's just going to be there makes me 
I, my stomach is in a knot right now thinking about it. So this editing process has made me ill. The permanence of it is different. Like you're right that we get so used to like, okay, well you, you publish something. And obviously we try to be as accurate as we can, you know, hundred percent accurate every time we're doing something, but you make dumb little human mistakes sometimes, but then you either get to go correct it because it's just on the internet or you're writing four things the next day anyway. And, and, and people move on, but this, like, it just sits there. It's like the, the, the 10 commandments, like the, the etched in stone, just like sitting there as a weight on someone's desk forever. So yeah, that you, you, it's, it should be hanging over your head. Yeah, that's not reassuring. You didn't reassure me. You just doubled down on my angst. I actually, and I, I did not, when I wrote my thing, I, I didn't feel nearly, also though, because I, I only wrote like a third of the book, someone else took over the project. So I didn't, I didn't have that same like crippling thing hanging over my shoulders. Because you could just blame it on somebody else. Be like, oh, well, that was the chapter the other guy wrote. I wasn't yeah, for, for all anybody knows. Yeah. So anyway, so that book is done. It's called The Road to Ohio State. It is 17 chapters of individual recruiting stories of Ohio State players through the years. It will be out on September 14th. And I think if you Google it on the internet right now, it'll pop up. And the foreword is by Ryan Day. So that was very nice of Ryan Day to do that. Uh, very appreciative of, of him doing that for the book. That obviously, I mean, like, well, who am I? But like, you see Ryan Day and Ryan Day's like little pictures on it too. You know, you see Ryan Day's name on a thing. It's like, oh, I'll get a Ryan Day thing. Like, oh, who's this guy? So that's coming out um, for the textures, especially. But like, I'm going to be able, I'm going to be selling it sort of like myself also. And I'll sign it for you and send it to you and you get a personalized version. But it's also available for pre order. I think I make a couple extra bucks if you buy it from me than a bookstore, but buy it wherever, September 14th. So I'm not going to talk about it a ton. Um, we might do a little more with it later on. I don't know. I have a bunch of interviews back from when I did it that maybe we could run on here in some form. But anyway, a lot of various kind of famous Ohio State guys. Kirk Herbstreet has a chapter. Ryan Shazier, Cameron Hayward, um, Jim Otis from back in the days. Travion Henderson has a chapter. Wyatt Davis has a chapter. James Laurinaitis has a chapter. So it's just sort of them telling their personalized recruiting stories of, of how they got to Ohio state and all the other schools they considered and what sold it for them for Ohio state. Eddie George has a chapter. Keith Byers has a chapter really tried to cover the eras. So that's my little plug for that. September 14th, that's going to be on sale. We're going to draft. And what we are doing is we are going to draft the 10 players that we would add to Ohio state's roster from other teams and the wrinkle, Nathan, give them the wrinkle that you made sure you it's the shiv wrinkle right in my kidney that made sure that this was a little more exciting. Yes. Originally it was just going to be five players, any position, whatever. What I thought though was again, partially for the shiv, but also partially because I think it will emphasize what we really need to talk about, which is where Ohio state maybe has a talent deficiency or a perceived one that it needs to answer going into the season. So now when one of us picks a player, the other person cannot pick someone at that same position. So we, we, we whittled this down into like 10 position groups. Each of us is going to end up picking five, but like once I, if you were to start off by picking a quarterback, then I cannot pick a quarterback or vice versa. And so the 10 positions that we have, each of us will draft five. We decided upon our defensive end, Defensive tackle, 
linebacker, cornerback, safety. Five on defense. On offense, it's quarterback, running back, receiver slash tight end, and offensive line. Those four categories. And then special teams is the fifth category. Because like the tight ends, like they're so talented. Like at receiver tight end, it's like, do you, do you really want anybody? It's like pass. My thing is pass. So there are some of these, and, and it is a dual purpose here, Nathan, is to the primary thing we're going to discuss is where do you wish Ohio State could add a Duke? Right. Because it's about Ohio State. I don't know if people know this. It's an Ohio State podcast. So we're not here to have great long discussions about, you know, the safety from Notre Dame versus the safety from Northwestern. But some of that influences it, too. And I will tell you, Nathan. Maybe this is just perception and it's not right. They're just not maybe as familiar to me. But I do think maybe it's every maybe every July, every late June, every July, we would feel this way. I know it's only late June. There don't seem to be quite as many famous dudes (laughs) right now in college football. And in a world where it's like, well, Trevor Lawrence just left and Devontae Smith and Jalen Waddell just left and Jamar Chase just left. And like, there's a part of that, Nathan, where we're going to be influenced by, well, this really good player is affecting who we're drafting. Maybe even if Ohio State doesn't have a great need at that position, you just want this guy. My evaluation of Ohio State's talent level went up as I poked around trying to find other great players to add here because, honestly, we're going to draft 10 players to add to Ohio State's team from around college football. My heart is not in all 10. I'm I'm probably good at like five and a half, and the rest is like, I think what Ohio State has is better than what anybody else in the country could give you. Yeah. I think there are some guys that we will end up drafting from other teams that would get cut in camp, so to speak. Like if this was an NFL team, like, I think they will because there are, but, but that's really the story of the season as, or any off season, Ohio state, as it approaches, I think you could say the same thing going into last year, right? That there were some positions where, I mean, clearly what, you're not going to draft another quarterback to play for Ohio state last year. They had Justin Fields. You weren't really probably even going to draft other receivers. They were pretty set at receiver. You could argue they could upgrade their third receiver, whatever. They were pretty strong at linebacker. You know, there were a lot of positions where we thought Ohio state was going to be above average in some cases well above average but then there are other positions where you're like there could actually be a season altering deficiency and i think that's the spectrum that we come out of today with yes i agree with that but it is it is remarkable and it's it's, it's, you know the spots you know i mean there's there might be more is this this is probably not quite right i would say there are almost as many guys as the rest of that, the rest of college football would want to take off Ohio State's team, as there are guys that Ohio State would want to add from the rest of college football. That's probably a step too far, Nathan, but it's close when you think about they have the two best receivers, they have two of the best offensive tackles, they have the best defensive tackle. I saw Mel Kuyper's big board, I don't know what to tell you. They have five-star interior offensive linemen. They have a five-star running back who's young, right? Like there is, it's almost, Nathan, that it's like if you lined up the 10 best players on Ohio State's team and the 10 best players in the rest of the country, it's a pretty fair fight. 
Yes, and as it should be for a team that goes to the playoffs every year and is in the national championship hunt every year. That's why I don't think there are a lot of teams you would say that about. I think you could get down to like the sixth or seventh best team in the country, and maybe you wouldn't say that. But I think about Ohio State, about Alabama, about Clemson, you say that year in and year out. But but I don't. I think it is almost the kind of thing that you usually only say about Alabama. That like I take Alabama's top guys against the rest of the country combined because I do think. Bama had a talent suck from last year. So they have a bunch of five stars, just like Ohio State always does, but even more. They have a bunch of five stars who haven't played a ton yet, but like a lot of their dudes are gone. The, the, the prominent names that would leap to mind in a thing like this. And Clemson's best guy left. So like it is, it is very weird. I almost think that might apply. I think not only, I mean, you're saying it probably get to the fifth or sixth team. I think each year you probably only say that about one or two teams. I'm not so sure. I think Ohio State's the only team you could say that about in the country right now because of Wilson and Olave, because of Munford and Petit Frere, because of Haskell Garrett, because of Seven Banks, because of Travion Henderson, because of Jeremy Ruckert. I mean, they have like multiple, multiple, multiple guys who are in the conversation for the best in the country at their position, which is what I'm talking about, to have that kind of discussion, say, oh, you know what? Ohio State's guys are as good as an all-star team from the rest of college football. It's, it's because they have like six or seven guys that are like that. And it is also a little bit of a moving target too, right? Last year, you wouldn't have included Haskell Garrett in this conversation because he hadn't done it yet. I would still include um, – I would talk about Haskell Garrett today in a different way than I still will even talk about Seven Banks because I don't know that he has proven himself at that level yet. But – so some of this is is a different conversation depending on what time of the year you're having it. And some of the guys have not yet. And that is the thing, again, that'll happen at Ohio State and at Alabama and places like that at a different rate than other places because they recruited a different rate. And like you're saying, there's always that next guy that with with that pedigree just waiting to be elevated and, and take over that 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 um, what do you say that esteem as being the best in the in the in the country. And like even like the defensive ends for Ohio State. It's like, okay, I think there are more established, some edge rushers who are more established than Ohio State's best guys. But there's a part of me in this that's like, well, but I kind of want to see what Zach Harrison, Tyreek Smith, and Jack Sawyer do. Like, I'm not in a hurry to add an All-American to push them to the side. Because I'm not so sure that by, like, the middle of the year, Zach Harrison and Tyreek Smith won't be as good as almost anybody you could add at defensive end and Jack Sawyer, I mean, this is a true freshman, but like Jack Sawyer will be starting to show flashes of that. And it's like, well, I added, I added, I added an all American and now I don't get to see it. So I know that's, that's not the point of it either, but like in going through the list, I didn't feel the imperative of like, Oh man, I got to get a defensive end because I know what I think the upsides of Zach Harrison and Tyreek Smith and Jack Sawyer are this year, even if we haven't seen completely those three upsides yet. But I think that is the point of this a little bit in that, and that's why I think it's important to add that wrinkle of once that position's off the board, it's off the board because now you have to think to yourself, well, this, uh, this player X at this position is amazing, uh, but the, the players Ohio State have there are actually pretty strong. So do I want to use that position and miss out on the position that the guy I'm drafting against is going to take right where there might be a bigger deficit. So I think that, again, I think that that is kind of the, the point that we're going to make here over the course of this is yeah, 
uh, we're leaving this highly regarded player on the board, but here's why. And, and here we're of, reaching for a player, but here's why. And I would say some of the positions, there's at least a couple positions where I would say, yeah, Ohio State could use help there. Those, some of those positions match up with positions nationally where there aren't obvious studs. That there are a couple of them like, well, I think Ohio State could use help. It's like, oh, who am I going to grab? And it's like, I don't know who any of these guys are. I don't know who to grab. And at some of the positions where there are stars, Ohio State's already set. So that's what we're going to do. Nathan, you will have the first pick. So we'll do that. We are drafting the 10 positions, the 10 players that we would want to add to Ohio State's 2021 team. But it's going to create a lot of discussion about the strengths. And I don't even want to say weaknesses. Slightly less strengths of the 2020 Ohio State team. And we will do it next on Buckeye Talk. All right, let's dive into this draft. Again, if you want to be a tech subscriber, you heard all the stuff we have planned. Stuff planned. We're still doing like most days we do the Buckeye Talk Q&As where we answer a question from a tech subscriber. We got a little heavy, frankly, Nathan. I mean, if there are people listening to our tech subscribers in, in the attempt, in attempting to make, to give value to our dollar a week tech subscription, which I think has value 52 weeks a year. But in attempting to add value to that, we wanted to make sure we kept stuff going. We came up sort of with this, Football question of the day, the recruiting question of the day. But then Stephen was out at recruiting camps. There was some other news breaking. We had a couple of days where we got a little heavy. So we, we realized maybe you don't want like five, six, seven texts a day in the offseason of Ohio State football. So if you're a tech subscriber and you thought, man, these guys are a little hepped up, we're just trying to add value. So we're dialing back a little bit. But especially on the days when there's not a lot of other news, we're going to give you that Buckeye Talk question of the day and keep talking about this football program. All right. We'll get in a second as we start this discussion. We'll get to what the textures, which player the textures would take. And we'll see if it matches up with this draft. But Nathan, you have the first pick. What position and what national player are you adding to the 2021 Buckeyes? So I think there are two or three positions, at least, where Ohio State could significantly improve its chances of winning a national championship if it added someone else. I think there are a couple of positions where there is real reason to have question of whether they are championship caliber at that position, if that makes sense. And then on top of that, you have an unproven quarterback situation. And if we're talking about this as just a one-year exercise, you're basically adding a guy for just this season. And that's that's true. Like we're not we're not really taking in the long-term considerations here. It's just for 2021. And it's like easy to do because in the transfer world, this is the kind of stuff that can happen. Like, hey, we're right. not quite set here. We're just adding a dude for a year and we're not getting rid of anybody. So I don't know, Nathan, should we account for that in our draft that by adding someone, you may be slowing the development or opportunity of the person that you're dropping him on top of, or is that too complex? I think only up to the point that we're not, it's not as if, you know, Ohio state has a really good um, freshman at this position and now we're drafting a sophomore. So that guy's going to be here for three years. We shouldn't think of it that way. It, it should only be about, what does missing out on 2021 maybe mean for those players? I guess I could go that far. Okay. You know I think that's the difference sense. there. Okay. So it didn't really factor into what I'm picking though. My, my number one pick, and there's no position of the quarterback is obviously the one where if you take an amazing guy and put him on top of this team already, that enhances their chances to win. But quarterback is also the position or a position where I feel like even though there's question, the answer could 
be something special already on this roster. And there are other positions that that doesn't apply to, and one of them is cornerback. So I'm going to take Derek Stingley, cornerback LSU. And to me, it comes down to Ohio State has to start three guys at cornerback. Um, if you're, you know, depending on how liberally you want to talk about the, that, that, that slot corner spot being also a free safety, whatever. But they've got to start multiple corners. And we think they have a pretty good one in seven banks. And we don't know if on day one this year they have a second really good cornerback. We just don't. We don't know that. We don't even really know how great seven banks is yet. And uh, I think Derek Stingley is unquestionably strong. Um, just some stats with our real quick 21 combined interceptions and PBUs as a freshman. Um, his numbers weren't as great last year, but he, he saw two fewer targets per game last year than he did in 2019 as a freshman. That tells me a lot. That's the kind of player Ohio state needs on the field. I think at cornerback, they don't need just a guy who's making plays on the ball. They need a guy who changes the way offenses attack them because he's so good. I think Derek Stingley is that guy. I think it did. And in the yin and yang that then happens between that and the pass rush, if you can put another player like that on the field, I think changes a lot of things for this defense. So uh, Derek Stingley not, is not only the best cornerback in college football. I think there, there are some people who think he's the best cornerback prospect in college football in years. Like this guy just isn't good. This guy is Mel Kuyper and his, uh, I think has a number four in his big board right now. He's just next level. I mean, he, but he's like the type of corner that Ohio State is used to seeing. I mean, he's like a Jeffrey Okuda, Marshawn Lattimore, Denzel Ward type, which maybe, I mean, we don't really think that. I mean, I don't even, we don't think that Seven Banks' ceiling is that, and that is not an affront to Seven Banks. But Derek Stingley is that right now. So there's only two guys, I think, who could be the number one pick in this draft, and I'll make my pick now because this is who I would have taken number one, and then we can have this discussion because this is a discussion that we had with the tech that I had with the texters and number two, I'll take Spencer Rattler. I'll take the quarterback from Oklahoma. And I will tell you when I put this out to texters, I gave them three choices and an other, and the other got like no votes. So I said, if you could add one current college player to Ohio state's 2021 team, who would it be? It was Derek Stingley, Kayvon Thibodeau, the pass rusher from Oregon, who is generally acknowledged, I think, is the best edge rusher in college football and who Ohio State's going to see in week two, and Spencer, Rat- Spencer Rattler. Derek Stingley Jr. got 72% of the vote, Nathan. Kayvon Thibodeau got more than Spencer Rattler. He got 13.8% of the vote. Spencer Rattler got 13.3% of the vote. Here's why I would take a quarterback. Maybe C.J. Stroud or whoever the quarterback's going to be for Ohio State, maybe, maybe they will be as good as Spencer Rattler at some point this season. But I think if you added, it's like you're trying to win a national title. If you added the best quarterback in college football to this offense, which is, I mean, you're just kind of trying to rekindle you try to replicate last year's offense because you've got the tackles back who were awesome last year. You've got the receivers back who were awesome last year with Trayvon Henderson. I think you have a chance. I mean, Trey, Trey Sermon was awesome at the end of the year. I don't know if Trayvon Henderson is going to be better than like late season Trey Sermon, but you're just trying to replicate that. And that, that got you to the national title game, right? And then your defense is your defense wasn't good enough. And you had some bad injury luck. 
and whatever. But like, if you could, I think if you add Spencer Rattler, it's kind of like running it back, Nathan. And I think because I'm not a hundred percent sure that CJ Stroud is going to be that. If I'm anything less than 50% sure that CJ Stroud is going to be as good as the best quarterback in college football, I'm taking the quarterback. And it's not a shot at CJ Stroud. And also, like, if it was like delaying the development, whatever, it's like, well, Quinn Ewers is coming. This whole quarterback thing is going to get messy anyway. I'm trying to win the national championship this year. Just give me the best quarterback in the country. Now, if you want Sam Howell, if you want Keaton Slovis, if you want Malik Willis, I get it, whatever, that's fine. But that's why I would take the quarterback. And I made that argument to the texters, and nobody agreed with me, as you saw by the vote. Nobody agreed with me. And I think the main reason they didn't agree with me is I think most or some, at least, Ohio State fans, Nathan, think that Ohio State's quarterback play will be in the range of the best quarterback in the country when it matters this year. Now, again, this is the whole thing we talked about before. I I want it right now. I want it week one at at Minnesota. I want it week two for Oregon. And then, of course, you want it for Penn State, and then you want it for Michigan, then you want it for the Big Ten Championship game in the playoff. But I don't know if they're going to get it in the first month of the season. And I still also don't know if they're going to get it in the last month of the season. So that's why I would take the quarterback. But I this, to me, Nathan, really spelled out, I think there is a pretty great belief in the Ohio State quarterback options among Ohio State fans. I think part of some people's um, estimation there might also be that even if the quarterback isn't going to be Rattler level, that the gap there will be smaller than it would be at other positions if you were adding Thibodeau or you were adding Stingley or whatever, that those guys have a, have a bigger talent edge over the replacement caliber person at Ohio State. I, would, I understand what you're saying, though, is that – but quarterback is so special that that doesn't matter. That you, you – if you can enhance yourself that much at quarterback, if you're only enhancing yourself 10% at quarterback is worth – taking the 20% hit or more at cornerback, right? Yes. So I, I, I totally understand that standpoint. And the, the, the only two people I considered at number one, if you were going to give me the number one vote, which we didn't talk about before, you just gave it to me when we started this podcast, was going to be Rattler or Stingley. It was going to be one of those two guys. And I essentially just eventually talked myself into the fact that that we we think that there's a possibility that Ohio State, from one of these three guys – um, is going to get a, a real quarterback solution this year. Not a questionable one, but one that they have like a lot of confidence in and a guy that really goes out and performs well and does his job. And I don't think we have that confidence level in the secondary. I, I don't. I don't have that confidence level at cornerback. I don't I – mean, Cam Brown coming off an injury, all these young guys who really aren't proven yet, like to, to, to add someone of Stingley's caliber, I thought was just too much to pass up on defense. And as we've talked about many times, there are so many young quarterbacks now who come in and are good right away that like, am I just old fashioned? Give me the veteran. He's, you know, it's like he started for a year, right? I mean, he's the guy we hold up as like, he was a little rough at the beginning of last year. Then he was great by the end. Could a rough start for Ohio state's quarterback kind of derail the championship hopes of this team. I, I don't, I don't know. We've talked about it a lot. I think it's a maybe, right. It's the JT Barrett. Like if they, if, if the young quarterback in start number two against Oregon really has trouble with Kayvon Thibodeau being in their face mask the whole game, 
And Ohio State loses is now in a four-team playoff. They're coming from behind trying to overcome that loss. It's like, well, give me Spencer Rattler against Oregon. So that might be old-fashioned thinking by me, but it's just, you're right. It's like quarterback's so important. That's why I went for quarterback. But, but the gap between Stingley and the other, and the cornerback that he would be replacing at Ohio State is a much wider gap. And C.J. Stroud might be a Heisman finalist this year. He might. Well, and the other thing is, I think the gap between Stingley and even Seven Banks appears to be pretty big still. I mean, again, Seven that has his people that really believe in him, and he'll get a chance to prove that this year. And I'm not even sure which side of that I, I stand on yet. But I, I, part of my thinking also was if you make this defense – what percent better? Twenty percent better? Whatever. I don't know if one person, if one cornerback does that. But you make this defense better. Now you've reduced. Or you've you've. I'm sorry. You've increased the margin for error for these quarterbacks. You've you've taken some pressure off of these quarterbacks by making your defense that much better. I think that's the other thing that now this quarterback doesn't have to be that same level in order to get you to the same number of wins. Yeah. So it's it's basically a philosophical thing influenced by your belief level in Ohio State's quarterback play. And again, Ohio State had DJ Uyunglele and like he had played a couple games last year and there was nobody else in the mix. Like would Clemson take Spencer Rattler? Or they'd be like, no, we don't even want Spencer Rattler if you offered him for free, no strings attached because we want our guy who we think is going to be better. I mean, maybe that's the way that I should be thinking about quarterbacks. All right, let's go to the third pick, cornerback and quarterback off the board. What's your third pick position and who's the player? This one I struggled with a little bit because I think we're already to a point where I don't know if I'm like, if I, if I think say like is, has a critical need here, but this is like the closest thing to it. And I'm really not trying to jam you up, uh, but I'm going to take Kyle Hamilton, the safety from Notre Dame and take both DB spots off the board. Not that we're building a team, so it doesn't really matter, but um, I, I just want Ohio State needs more reliability at the back end of the defense. This is a guy who's allowed three plays of 15 yards and more over the past two seasons. You will look at mock drafts. He's highly ranked on all the mock drafts. He's, I think, the number one safety on most mock drafts for 2022. Um, just a, a strong player who I think would automatically bring a different level of security to the back end. That's not really even a knock at Josh Proctor, who I think is a valuable player and would have a role in the defense regardless, even if it's what he was last year and kind of that utility, whatever spot. And I know some other personnel things have changed since then that affect that too. So it wouldn't look exactly the same, but if you could put a guy at the back end of this defense who now becomes something more like what Jordan Fuller was and takes away the, that shakiness and gives just that whole defense a stronger foundation, I think you have to do it. I think by if you can if you can solve this secondary, I think the ripple effects are are pretty significant through the rest of the defense. Mel Kuyper's early big board: Derek Stingley Jr. number two for the draft, Spencer Rattler number three, and Kyle Hamilton, the Notre Dame safety you just took number eight. So I had Kyle Hamilton in the safety spot fifth on my list. I think it's a good pick by you. I also had Brandon Joseph from Northwestern who yeah. Oh, he's really good, yeah. We got a feel for a little bit last year. But again, it's like I you know, it's like I kind of want to see what Josh Proctor can do and it's like if you're sure. if you tell me that Josh Proctor will play near the levels of the best safeties in the country in 2021, I think that's possible. But Kyle Hamilton's more of a sure thing. So I think it's a good pick by you. But already Nathan, already as you indicated, we are at the third pick in this draft. 
And we're picking guys where we're like, well, I mean, I th- they'd be okay without him. It's like, I guess they'll take Kyle Hamilton, but like, if they don't, if they don't get him, they have a borderline five-star recruit back there. Who's played a lot. So, but we also have spent so much time on the safety position, you know, last year that yeah. there's some angst there, but I think we think Josh Proctor settling in is very possibly the absolute solution to that. And again, adding anybody, any, any high caliber player to the back end of that defense, the way that they can move guys around positionally, at least a little bit, the ripple effects could be big. You might then decide, well, because now this guy's at safety, now this guy can be the slot corner or he can be the slot corner in certain situations. You're just making yourself incrementally better throughout the whole defense. Okay. I am now going to take with the fourth pick a guy. I don't think I'm cheating here. You can tell me if I am, but I don't really have a separate answer. So it's like, I'm going to do it anyway. You're going to think I'm cheating. Um, I'm looking at Mel Kuyper's big board for the draft, ESPN.com. The best defensive tackles for the draft next year. Number one is Haskell Garrett. Number six is Teron Vincent, which is always one of those things. Again, it's like, <laughs> if you think sometimes we don't know what we're talking about in the offseason, it's like nobody knows what to talk about in the offseason. Mel Kuyper's just throwing stuff at a dartboard too. Teron Vincent has like not played that much college football. He's a former big-time recruit. We all think Teron Vincent might be very good, but I will take a little more certainty there. And now listen, I'm taking a guy at tackle that actually Kuyper has listed as a defensive end, but I've seen him listed as a tackle elsewhere. People maybe project him at tackle is DeMarvin Leal from Texas A&M, who is, you know, like a top 10 pick um, is just kind of a force on the inside. Like I'm not going to feel bad about taking him at tackle, but he's number five on Kuyper's big board. Kuyper says he plays defensive end for the Aggies, but I wouldn't be surprised if he ended up as a three technique tackle in the NFL. I just, I think he plays some tackle for Texas A&M too. So I don't feel bad taking him in. I'm not trying to cheat. I really just thought he was a tackle. So I had him third on my list and it's like, I'm benching Teron Vincent, or at least I'm moving him back in the rotation. And again, part of me, Nathan, like I don't want to do that exactly, but I think, to add like an all American sure thing kind of quality guy at the interior of that line next to Haskell Garrett, I just think is next level for them. So that's why I'm taking Leal here. Yeah. And as I looked at tackle, cause I think tackle is a potential issue outside of the, the three tech spot. So I was looking at just nose tackles. Really. I didn't even put like three techs and, and converted DNs on my list. I was looking at someone like Cody, Kobe Whiteside from Missouri, I was looking at uh, Wisconsin has a guy named Keanu Benton, who is, I think, still thought of as maybe more of a developmental guy, but like a guy who could be due for a breakout. And then they're taking a guy away from an, a Big Ten program, which is, I don't know if that's something we should be thinking about in these situations, but it certainly would apply to Brandon Joseph if you wanted to maybe take him at safety instead of the guy I took, um, just because you're taking away a uh, another Big Ten player. That's not really the point of this exercise, though. But I, I really thought, and so any again, you could argue that anybody you add to that defensive tackle situation, Ohio State would figure out who they would they, they would aggregate some kind of nose tackle position, even if it meant playing guys kind of out of position yeah. at what would traditionally be nose tackle. Instead, like, okay, so you don't have Tommy Toge anymore, but instead you have three really strong three-tech guys who occasionally play some nose tackle. I think you'll take that. And it's not that I – 
I, if someone said, well, do you think defensive tackle is a weakness for Ohio State? No. I, like, I, I don't think it is. Not when you have Haskell Garrett as viewed as the best defensive tackle in the country, and then the other guy you think is going to play a lot is a former five-star recruit who we think is coming into his own. So, again, we're already at that point. We are already at that point of we're four picks in, and I'm not sure even – DeMarvin Leal as a All-American candidate would be more than, you know, in a rotation uh, at defensive tackle for Ohio State. But I just I just thought there's enough impact there. You make the ends better. Um, that's the way I went. All right, let's go to your fifth pick in this draft. Who are you taking? What position? So this is modestly maybe controversial. It's definitely a good example of like, well, Ohio State probably doesn't like critically need somebody at this position, but maybe it solves a problem. We don't know who is going to start at center this year. We think Ohio State has a couple of strong candidates in Harry Miller and Matt Jones, but Miller wasn't great last year in the one game he played at center and overall had a, a very iffy season. And then Jones has been um, up and down and, reserve like here's a chance for you to just say nope we've got like maybe the best center in the country and we're just going to run with him and and that's it so i'll take tyler lindenbaum from iowa as ohio state's center for the 2021 season he was my fourth pick i had rattler stingley leal linderbaum hamilton were my top five so i thought the same way like it's a spot where like we're not taking tackles right we're just not because this is offensive line. We, we debated whether we should do interior offensive line and tackles differently or whatever, but like Neil is an offensive tackle for Alabama, who's number four on Mel Kuyper's big board. Kenyon Green is a former five-star who is going to play left tackle for Texas A&M. He's number seven on Kuyper's big board right now. Jackson Kirkland is a senior. He started... Um, a bunch of games, like three seasons on the offensive line at Washington. He's a left tackle. He's number 10 on Kuiper's big board. But like Nathan, I didn't look at tackles. Like when I looked at offensive line, I just, I don't care. I just didn't think, I didn't feel a need to replace either Thayer Munford nor Nicholas Petit Frere with like anybody that would have possibly been out there unless you're telling me, you know, Orlando Pace Jr. is out on another team somewhere. Otherwise, I was looking interior offensive line for sure. Pace Jr. is out there. He plays for Ohio State. That's the other reason you don't need to take a tackle. True. It's not even like a depth thing. You, the, the, the next tackle that you would want from like anywhere in the country is also going to be playing guard for Ohio State this year. So that was I was the same way. Like I did not even think about tackles, and I really only looked at as I looked at that offensive line position. And we split up defensive line, but we didn't split up offensive line partially because of that because we knew we weren't going to take nobody there's no it, a tackle would be a waste so i looked at this as like what's the one position where you could draft someone that would give like an absolute certainty to this ohio state offense it's maybe like the one position that that applies to and that's center and so just go get the best center in the country who i think is like considered across the board the best center in the country and then you you make your whole offensive line stronger because now whoever wins that that guard job you've got a, a outstandingly strong second string guard now the tackles are locked in. They have two five-star recruits in Paris Johnson and Harry Miller that can play guard. And so we're adding a sure thing at center that is just taking the Luke Whipler, Matthew Jones spot, 
whether it's Miller maybe moves to center and Jones plays guard, whatever, right? That that's all you're filling in. That there's like one spot. There's only really one spot on the offensive line, right? I mean, one guy. I think you feel like there are four guys that you kind of have no desire to see replaced on Ohio State's offensive line. And and not that the not that the fifth one is that much more uncertain, but but to lock in a veteran center and allow everybody else to do their thing, I think makes a lot of sense. And again, I think there are strong reasons to believe that Harry Miller, with that foundation he was able to lay as a sophomore and having a more conventional offseason, could come in this year and have a just phenomenal season. He could take over at center or he could stay at guard and, and be a, a great football player for Ohio State this fall. But in this exercise, it's more about like, well, if you're being ultimate cutthroat, what would you do? And this is just as we get farther down, this is an example of that. All right, we'll take another break, and I am going to come back with what I think is maybe a surprise pick, but also I could see Nathan doing the exact same thing because we are just getting to that point. Players we would like to add to the Ohio State Buckeyes in 2021. We're halfway done, five in. The next five coming next on Buckeye Talk. All right, we're back. We've taken a corner, a quarterback, a safety, a defensive tackle, and an offensive lineman. Remaining are receiver slash tight end, running back, special teams, defensive end, and linebacker. And Nathan, I'm taking a kicker. I am taking Cade York from LSU, who is like money from long distance. I think he's made like 10 out of 12 from 50 yards in his career. And... I think this happened maybe while I was on vacation. I know you wrote the story about it. Ohio State added a kicker transfer this offseason, which is the kind of thing, right, when they're actually – I mean, they they are actually adding people. So when the team is actually adding guys, it maybe is an indication that they think they have some question marks with the guy here. So for the people who aren't 100% aware of that, Jake Seibert, is the guy who's here. He kicked late last year because of injuries, but the plan was, you know, he was going to be like a gray shirt last year, but now he's, he played last year. Now he's here to be the guy for the next four years, but who else have they added in actuality, Nathan, before we get to Cade York? Yeah. They added former North Carolina kicker, Noah Ruggles. He's a grad transfer has at least two years of eligibility left, depending on how they count 2020 since I didn't count for anybody. Um, you know, he made 19 to 27 field goals last year, only three of nine from 40 or more lost his job last year to uh, another grad transfer from an FCS program. So uh, definitely veteran help, but um, not necessarily like a, a, um, a guy whose numbers tell me that he's going to come in and blow the doors off the place, but more security at that position now for Ohio state. Hey, York, not that we're making this a kicker podcast last two years for LSU. He's eight of 14, 40 to 49 yards and he's 10 of 12. 50 plus. I mean, like that's, that's legit. This guy's a big time kicker. He hit that. Uh, I think it was what, like 57 yarder to beat Florida oh, yeah. in that game that a lot of people were watching. So, so adding the kicker that Ohio state did, Nathan, should that raise eyebrows about, about Jake Seibert, or are you just always trying to get better? And if you bring in a guy who lost his job at some other school, it's not that big a deal. You have depth. Maybe they just needed a backup kicker or did that, get you interested in what they really think about their kicking situation. 
I think the eyebrows were raised when Jake Seibert missed two field goals in the spring game. And I think that is probably directly influenced why they decided to do this. You remember going back to the Penn State game last year, Ryan Day, you know, after that game and yet in the in the following week, it's one of those things that as a coach, I think maybe you're focused on so many other things that until this kind of unexpected thing happens, you know, Blake uh, Hobbill comes down with a groin injury prior to that game and you're not really thinking about kicker as a potential crisis and then all of a sudden it is because you're the other guy that you have that might be pretty good in cyber isn't even on the travel roster for that game so I, I think that may be emphasized to them that regardless of, of Jake Seibert's situation if you've got 85 scholarships maybe you shouldn't be relying on a walk-on as your second choice for these critical special teams positions what, what do you think of this pick by me taking a kicker this high? I think it makes sense because, again, we've gotten to a point where it's like, well, you're not the, – the gap isn't the same as it is at cornerback or, or some of these other positions necessarily. But, like, where can you remove the uncertainty that Ohio State has going into the season? I mean, I, I, going into last year, I think with Blake Hobbill, there was an uncertainty. And Blake Hobbill wasn't a guy who got, like, drafted or anything and wasn't, like, considered – one of the best like bar none kickers in the country necessarily. He was a strong guy, solid guy, four-year guy, but like just having him, I thought added a degree of security to the last season. So if you can, so, so just by going out and replicating him, and I think York is probably a step beyond that, then how much security do you add to Ohio state? How much more do you enhance their chances of, of making it through a minefield and, getting to the end of the season undefeated. That's really what this is all about. Just get yourself to January undefeated and get yourself into that, that four game playoff. That's one of those things. Kicker. Yeah, you're probably fine with the, with an okay kicker right up until the point where you're not fine. So, you know, again, this guy made a 57 yarder to win a giant game. Uh, I don't know. Is Ohio state going to need a 57 yarder to win the big 10 championship? I mean, probably not, but if they do, you know, I'd rather have this dude than anybody they have right now. And I'm not, it's not, uh, I, Jake Seibert was a big time recruit. You know, this is what they do on special teams. And they, they count on these guys to be here, the guy for four years, but we've just seen enough. You know, it happened with Sean Nurnberger for injuries and other reasons they brought, they had, you know, guys they brought in grad transfers uh, at various times, older guys they brought in. So I don't know if you could just lock it down with the dude. I thought it's funny. We have not yet done linebacker which is the position where they actually are interested in adding guys. I picked a kicker ahead of linebacker and you didn't call me an idiot. It doesn't mean that you would have taken a kicker ahead of a linebacker, but were you, are you just being nice and not calling me an idiot? Or do you actually see some justification for taking a kicker ahead of a linebacker? No, I, I think, again, I think it does make sense because, um, in the last few days, we think they have added a linebacker. So that obviously is something else you, I guess, could take into account here. We can talk about that in a second, but um, I, I think it's defensible. I would have taken a linebacker, but I think you taking a kicker is defensible. All right. So you're up seventh pick. We've gone cornerback, quarterback, safety, defensive tackle, offensive lineman, kicker. Who you got with the seventh pick? So I will take a linebacker here. And like I said, um, the guy that we've been tracking for a while, um, Palea Gayatote from former uh, USC linebacker is listed in Ohio State student directory. There's been nothing announced yet as far as his transfer status, but that sounds imminent, obviously. So it seems Ohio State has added another talent to its linebacker room. But considering that, 
Uh, it's still the position where there is still some uncertainty. We think they have guys who are solid. We don't know if the ceiling is necessarily there compared to what they've had in the last couple of years. So I'm going to, again, Rob from the Big Ten, which I wasn't necessarily planning to do going into this, but I'll take Micah McFadden, the middle or inside linebacker from Indiana, a guy who, in addition to just being a solid all-around linebacker, is also uh, pretty adept at rushing the quarterback and just gives you another option of a guy who can help bring some pressure along with those defensive ends. Um, if you don't exactly know what kind of pressure I guess you're getting up the middle this year between Garrett and whoever takes over, it knows. So this kind of helps uh, infuse the defense with a, another little bit of pass rush. But again, just a, a veteran guy, a, I think, respected guy within the Big Ten, and a guy who's demonstrated that he can go out and make a, a good defense better. So that was also the position and the person that I had seventh on my list. But I was influenced by this. It's like Micah McFadden. No offense to Micah McFadden. It's like, really? It's like, what's Ohio State going to do to get better? Take an Indiana linebacker? We have this thing that's running that I hope at least some of the listeners are following along. You know, it's not the world's greatest piece of content, but I think it's an interesting way to stay engaged a little bit during the course of the year. What am I going to say? I mean, it's like we try to have not the world's greatest piece of content. We have Buckeye Talk. talk. (laughs) That actually is (laughs) this. Again, there some of those we say them all the time. Some of them are really the winners, though. But that that might be a top ten. Listen, we're trying to we we want you to have something to read at Cleveland.com that connects you to your team during the course of the year and entertains or informs you. So we're trying to inform you a little bit. We're doing a list of the top fifty opponents, individual players Ohio State's going to face in the regular season in twenty twenty one. We have fifty of them. We're doing one a day. And on that list, we haven't gotten to him yet. Micah McFadden, we put him 11th on that list. So we're going to get to him on July 10th. But I was looking, Nathan, and it's like, again, if you're not talking like outside linebacker, edge rusher kind of linebacker, you're talking about like a real linebacker guy. Like there's no Micah Parsons, right? There's no like, and now Zayvon Collins wasn't Zayvon Collins until the season started. But I was even going through like the Butkus finalists. It's like, Jeremiah Owosu-Koromoa, who the Browns drafted from Notre Dame, he won the buckets last year. He's gone. Zabin Collins was a first-round linebacker. He was one of the finalists. He's gone. Nick Bolton from Missouri was a Butkus finalist. He's gone. Micah Parsons is gone. And I was like, it's like, okay, well, we all know there's question marks at Ohio State's linebacker. But I was like, well, there's question marks in the whole country at linebacker because I don't know who any of these guys are. So that influenced me of like, okay, well, I don't know. Dallas Gantt, Taraja Mitchell, Craig Young. Cody Simon, are they going to be good enough? It's like, well, if we're taking Micah McFadden as like the guy to come save Ohio State, then my I'm starting to think like, well, yeah, I think they are good enough. I mean, I guess Micah McFadden's better, but like you tell me by the middle of the year, Dallas Gant and Taraja Mitchell might not be as good as Micah McFadden. Again, I don't mean to slam Micah McFadden, but that's why I think linebacker has been like the number one position discussion of the offseason, Nathan, for Will Ohio State add somebody? But when we got down to brass tacks here, it didn't feel as urgent because maybe there's not a lot of great All-American linebackers all over the place. Well, this may also be a position, too, where just because of some of the guys who left after last season, we don't know yet who the great linebackers in the country are. It's not as apparent to our our shallower research i guess going into this um but i think you're making a strong point i think the the, the counter argument is uh, for, for someone who thinks that Ohio State needs to add a linebacker is 
Well, if you took Taraja Mitchell and gave him to Indiana for the past three years, what would he be thought of right now? If you took Dallas Gant and gave him to Indiana or Nebraska or whoever the past three years, well, how would those guys be thought of right now? Would they be now they wouldn't have been developed at Ohio State, but they would have had the opportunity to showcase themselves in a way that they just haven't had at Ohio State. They've been buried at Ohio State. I think you also could have made a case. Uh, the other guy that I thought of there was yet another Big Ten guy, but it was a guy I just wrote about for the top 50, and it's Jojo Doman from Nebraska, who is essentially a safety who plays linebacker. And Ohio State's going to be doing that this year with the bullet. He seems like a guy that would really fit into that spot in a pretty obvious way, a guy that has some very Pete Warner-ish characteristics in, in what he's been able to do over the last couple of years. So, But, but I, th- I would also – say that do I think that there's going to be maybe necessarily a monster gap between what he would do and what Ohio State's um, collaboration at the bullet could do this year I I, I think that's very likely that, that they're going to be pretty close or good enough so again that's why this position is getting drafted seventh or eighth instead of like second or third when it might have seemed like that that should have been the, the one of the big priorities have we covered uh, the USC linebacker in depth on Buckeye talk. I, uh, not while I was here, but had, did you and Nathan or you and Steven talk about him much while I was gone? I'm I, we've done so many podcasts in the last three weeks that I don't remember how much we delved into him. So in 2018, so he was a five-star recruit in 2018 as a first year inside linebacker at USC played in 10 games, made five starts as a true freshman in 2018, 2019, uh, started the first half of 2019, then had some injuries, ended up playing in eight games, starting seven, had 58 tackles for the year, including uh, three tackles for loss. 2020, last season, started the first two games and had a concussion and missed the rest of the season. So he's been in college football for three years. He's started games all three of those years, but he's never played a full season as a starter in college football. So he is, he's 6'2", 250 pounds, Bishop Gorman guy, which is where Haskell Garrett came from, um, is, has been around and is a five-star recruit. And so it feels like he's going to help them, Nathan. But even again, it kind of goes back to our point. It's like, well, I mean, he got a bunch of opportunities at USC as a five-star recruit, like at a time when USC kind of wasn't, you know, tearing it up exactly. Well, like Taraja Mitchell who's like a borderline five-star recruit, hasn't been able to sniff the field at Ohio State. So it's like, are we sure he's better than Taraj Mitchell? I don't know. I'm not sure. He's the same year as all these guys, right? He's the same year as Dallas Gant, Kayvon Pope, and Taraj Mitchell entering his fourth year of college football. So on one hand, it's like you can get excited about a guy like that, a former five-star recruit who's started parts of three years at USC, but Taraj Mitchell and Dallas Gant actually still might be better. So... It's- sure. Yeah. I think there's, you know, part of this is just a promise that somebody might have. Part of it is just the depth that you came out of the spring. You know, they, they had some injuries in the spring that probably made them a little bit concerned over, um, especially at inside linebacker, uh, how, how well, how good the depth really is if it's going down as many um, tiers as they want. Uh, but you're right. Like the, the, In his case, a lot of it has been injury related, though. It hasn't been necessarily that he went to USC and just didn't get it done, didn't get on the field. He's not their Tyreek Johnson. I mean, again, I don't want to slam that guy, but it wasn't like a five-star guy who came and like just couldn't get on the field. It was a five-star guy who came and got on the field but couldn't stay on the field. That in is that is a concern in and of itself. Something he'll have to you know prove over the next however long he's here is 
maybe being a little bit more durable than he's been, but it does just give Ohio State another option. The other thing to remember here is Ohio State is working with a a decent amount of roster flexibility right now. They're, they're enough under the scholarships that they can kind of take some chances as far as adding guys that they might not in a usual offseason if they're really close to the number. So looking at the class of 2018, he was the number one linebacker in that class. He was the number 15 overall player, the number one linebacker. Taraja Mitchell was the number four linebacker in that class, the 44 overall player. And Dallas Gantt was the number 19 linebacker in that class, the number 166 overall player. So, okay, he was he was a little bit higher in the rankings, but I think it's like, you know, he's like a Taraja Mitchell. And Taraja Mitchell, frankly, is a guy that, like, we've been excited about. A lot, a lot at Ohio State. I think fans have been, media has been, and it hasn't quite happened yet. So it's like, oh, you added another Trojan Mitchell. It's like, okay, cool. But um, I also, and it, I, now I feel like I'm saying the same kind of stuff I said last offseason about Trey Sermon, which is like, listen, I, like I wouldn't, he's not a, he's not a fix the defense, single-handedly change your program kind of guy. Yeah, maybe he can help, but like, I don't, you know, again, I probably wound up being more wrong than right about Trey Sermon because he broke Ohio state records once he got the ball, but he also was doing that early in the year. And if you thought he was going to be like better than JK Dobbins, it was like, well, no, that's over the course of a football season. No, that wasn't the case. Is, is he going to be, I'm, I'm avoiding saying his name. G.A. Tote. G.A. Tote. That's what I say believe it is. Yeah. I apologize. G.A. Tote. Like, is he going to be like better than Pete Werner, who was just a second round pick in the NFL draft? It's like, I'm not anticipating that. Does that mean, I mean, he can still help them at linebacker. And I guess if you feel like you still don't, you know, Dallas Gant's coming off an injury, you're not a thousand percent sure what Taraja Mitchell and Craig Young and Dallas Gant and Cody Simon are going to give you because they've never done it before. Throw another guy in the mix. But I also just never thought, now Henry To'o To'o, Nathan, I thought was almost borderline when, if you're going to add a linebacker, I thought you almost could pick Henry To'o To'o ahead of Micah McFadden or anybody else if you wanted to. Right. Um, and he's the guy they tried to get from Tennessee who went to Alabama instead. He would have be a little bit more of a sure thing if he had come here. I believe so, yeah. Yeah, I yeah. think he would have been, yeah. The other thing, again, you mentioned the, the Gant being out with a foot injury in the spring, and he was supposed to be back for the summer. We don't know that yet. They haven't – that hasn't – those sorts of uh, – statuses have not been public Mitchell Melton also lost to a, a significant injury in the spring and they're not expecting him to play this year so you start to get down pretty deep on this depth chart if guys like that are out and you know they, they like what they've seen in a from guys like Tommy Eichenberg or whatever but how much of that is we like that guy because he is a guy that can help this defense win a national championship and how much of it is we like that guy because he was playing well in the spring yeah okay that so that's to be seen that's our linebacker pick at number seven. And now at number eight, I will take the big name. I will take Kayvon Thibodeau as the edge rusher defensive end from Oregon. Uh, he's number one on Mel Kuyper's big board. He's the closest thing to Chase Young probably in college football this year. And Ohio State is going to see him. But again, we're taking him eighth, Nathan which is all about not Kayvon Thibodeau. It's all about Zach Harrison, Tyreek Smith, and Jack Sawyer. And yes, I think Thibodeau is better than them, but I don't think it was, you know, I don't think they're in desperate need at defensive end. And so 
Are you surprised that neither of us, I mean, clearly you didn't have him any higher than this. Are you surprised that neither of us had Kayvon Thibodeau, who very well may be the best player in college football? Actually, Derek Stingley Jr. probably is. But is in that mix that he didn't go higher than this in our draft? No, because again, the whole point of this exercise, and we said at the beginning, I think it's borne out, was more identifying not who the best players in college football are, but the places where Ohio State has the biggest deficiency or, or perceived deficiency or potential deficiency between maybe just being good at the position or pretty good at the position. So yeah, I mean, Kayvon Thibodeau is an incredible defensive end, but you can go around to other mock drafts that have him in the top three or four. And there's some that have Zach Harrison at like sixth or seventh. So not, not a massive decline there. And Tyreek Smith is by some, in some circles considered a, a first round caliber defensive end. So you're, and then Jack Sawyer's right there coming up behind. And you've even got, you know, the depth guys, the, the veteran depth guys who are, who are solid in their own right. So it's just a position, it, it, it's the ultimate like luxury item. Kayvon Thibodeau, right, it would seem, would be just a, a luxury add on for Ohio State. He'd be like a vanity defensive end. <laughs> True. No, I think that's right. It's like they wouldn't even start it. They'd be like, oh, guess where our backup is? Best defensive end in the country, but he just got here. So we're starting Tyreek and Zach. Kayvon can wait until the second series. Um, okay, no dispute. I, I didn't know if one of us would go higher just based on who he is, but I think we are in agreement based on what Ohio State is. This is not where they need help. And Nathan, now, again, to remind people, this is at a position where I think a lot, we spent some amount of time last year saying they weren't good enough. The Jonathan Cooper, who was a seventh-round pick, was their best defensive end last year. We thought they got close, didn't get home enough. I think Zach Harrison and Larry Johnson and Ryan Day would agree with that, that they didn't get home enough. But we are anticipating that they will do that enough this year that we didn't take Kayvon Thibodeau any higher. But I do think we all we all think they need to be better. It's just that we think they will be better. We do think they will be better. And the other reason why I didn't take Thibodeau early to enhance the pass rush, because I thought you could also add a incredible cornerback and also help a pass rush. They got caught, Ohio State got caught a little bit in the vortex last year, being a little bit iffier than usual at both, which fed on each other, just mm-hmm. like Jeff Okuda, Damon Arnett, and Chase Young fed on each other in the best possible way in 2019. All right, let's go to your final pick. The two spots left, skill position on offense, running back and receiver. What are you doing, Nathan? Well, obviously, running back is the position of the two where they don't have – a obvious number one choice the same way they do at tight end. However, I think there's a more fun answer at tight end. So I'm going to take that. And it's Charlie Kolar from Iowa state, who is a guy who, in addition to being a second tight end, or I guess he would technically probably make Jeremy Ruckert, the second tight end at Ohio state, which isn't fair, but like, so when you want to play two tight ends, you have two really strong tight ends again. And Ohio state's obviously thrived in those situations the last couple of years when they, when they wanted to play two tight ends, but Purdy's also, or I'm not part Purdy's a quarterback. I'm sorry. Kolar is also a guy that they lined up as a receiver a lot. And I just feel like it's, if you could put that kind of an athlete on Ohio state's roster, that's something they really don't necessarily have. Like they have a lot of receivers who look like receivers and maybe you could put a, a different kind of guy out there in the slot more often than they do with though they will do it with the tight ends that they have Rucker can do that has done that and I'm not saying he isn't good at it but I'm saying that it, Kolar's skill set I think would add a a fun wrinkle 
to this offense that it maybe doesn't have to that same level right now. 11 games last year, 44 catches, 591 yards, seven touchdowns. He actually was third in the Big 12 in touchdown catches last year. And from what you're saying, this is almost enhancing Ohio State's like number two tight end spot because we know they like to do that. This is like we've talked a lot about, you know, it's probably Cade Stover as the second tight end. He's not very proven, but it's not Kolar replacing Ruckert. It's now you have a Ruckert-Kolar tandem that allows them to once again do the kind of things that they've shown they like to do sometimes. Right. And then again, here, this is according to Pro Football Focus. Over the last two years, Kolar's receiving grade in the slot or out wide was better than Kyle Pitts and was the best in FBS. So that's the kind of that's the kind of receiver talent you'd be adding here. Yes, he, he is called a tight end. He would line up at tight end predominantly, but it's just that kind of weapon you would add to the offense. Again, at this point, it's really not about a deficiency at Ohio State. It would almost just be about, hey, here's a, an, a kind of athlete that maybe they don't have, or maybe it's like even a juiced up version of what Jeremy Ruckert is. Wouldn't it be fun to throw that into the mix? Because they've already got kind of everything else. So this was the first pick that you made, at least. I don't know if you differ to my stuff. That I is a different name than what I had. And so, again, for this exercise, we smushed receivers and tight ends together into one position, pass catchers. And so you went with the tight end here. Did you consider taking a receiver? Now, if you're taking a receiver, it's – to take Jackson Smith and Jigba off the field because the two best receivers in college football are Chris Olave and Garrett Wilson. That is what I did, but I did not do it very convincingly. I took Traylon Burks from Arkansas, who is viewed as a first rounder. He's a first rounder on uh, Kuiper's big board. He's a bigger receiver, but he has played a lot in the slot. So I actually think he's probably very similar to Garrett Wilson. And he's a guy who's maybe not a traditional slot receiver who can work out of the slot. And I was like, well, you know, I kind of want to see what Jackson Smith and the Jigba can do, but I guess I'll take that with my ninth pick. Did you consider that? I looked at those guys, sure. I just thought that that seemed more of a redundancy than adding someone like Kolar, who Ohio State, maybe they have sort of one of those guys with Ruckert, but they don't have two. And they do have several receivers who I think are in that same kind of conversation as, as, um, as Burks or, or some of these other receivers that you could have taken. I would, you know, I, I thought about, Hey, why not Justin Ross take him off of Clemson? And if, even if he's only a second string receiver here, at least he's not at Clemson. No, I think, I think that's true too. It's just, it's so odd and unusual that Ohio state has, I mean, honestly, just the two guys who are acknowledged as the two best in their position on the same team. I mean, it's like, a, it's a ridiculous discussion. And I think, again, I think Nathan, I mean, if you were if we were covering almost any other team in the country, Garrett Wilson might have been the first pick in this in this draft, right? Or Chris Olave might have been the very first pick in this draft of like, hey, get me a game breaking, game changing receiver. And it's just that Ohio State has those two guys, and so I wound up, you know, trying to put Jackson Smith and the Jigba on the bench. But everybody knows this. The thing that I think is interesting is both of us did take a pass catcher before we would have taken a running back. You had running back as the last spot on your board. Is that correct? Um, or did you have running back I, ahead of kicker? That was, that was a tough choice. I mean, I, I running back is also a, a one that I thought I found tough to assess how much better the availability 
noble talent was going to necessarily be than when what Ohio State will have out there, especially when you start thinking about the Trevion Henderson ceiling and how quick he can or can't get there. So I, I, that's kind of why it kept getting pushed down on my board. Yeah. So, but so I have running back last. Like on when I said the order that I'm going to draft positions, I have running back last, and I am about to draft a running back last. Did you have running back last? If the if it had come down to running back or kicker this round, I probably would have taken a running back. Okay. Is that weird? Because like we don't know, <laughs> we don't exactly know who's going to be the starting running back on Thursday night against Minnesota. We've spent a lot of time talking about running back. We think the guy who's their best player at running back has never played a snap of college football before, but yet with an opportunity to add somebody to fill in at this position, we're taking him last. Like I'm, it felt right to me as I went through it, but I also can't exactly explain it, except I will say when I started looking at, well, Najee Harris is gone. And, um, Travis Etienne is gone and Javante Williams and Michael Carter from North Carolina are gone. Right. I mean, it's, it's like, well, it's like Isaiah Spiller from Texas A&M, Brees Hall from Iowa state, like ahead of Trevion Henderson are my, like, really, I'm going to take Iowa state's running back ahead of the potential of Trevion Henderson, which is why I like, I didn't want to do it. Yeah, no, I, I felt the same way. And I think, I think the Henderson thing is a factor there. I think because that's the one position you could say the same thing, I suppose, with quarterbacks. But I also thought that the the impact of Rattler was so obvious that you would have to do that. I didn't see necessarily the same obvious impact from the people that we had to pick from at running back. I mean, there isn't even like a Jonathan Taylor who you would kind of look yeah. at sideways and be like, well, is he really like how much better is he than J.K. Dobbins? Really? But he would be an obvious if, if there was someone like that that we knew about, I think you'd clearly take him. But I don't. I didn't have the same confidence in the running backs that I was looking at this year. It's probably Isaiah Spiller, although it's not. It's not the guy I'm taking. One thousand five hundred and seventy-two yards, twenty-one touchdowns last year. He's first on Mel Kiper's big board again. Mel Kiper's big board is only draftable guys, so not everybody's on there. Uh, Muhammad Ibrahim, Ibrahim from mm-hmm. Minnesota, who Ohio State's going to see in the opener. He's in the top ten of uh, best opponents that Ohio State's going to face when we get to that list. But again, it's just like, well, I mean, I just think Trayvon Henderson could be him in like by week three. The guy that I would have taken. Well, maybe I should wait until you pick yours. So I'll say the guy that I would have taken is the guy they almost got, which is B. John Robinson. That's exactly who I had on my list. Which which again is like one of these things like. Like, and again, like a year ago, it's like, oh, who would you take? Like, if we were doing this, like, oh, I'd take Micah Parsons. It's like, oh, the guy that Ohio State was recruiting and sort of like backed off on and like could have had if they wanted. And like, it's like, it's yeah. like they have their guys. And it's like, well, who would you add? It's like, oh, the guys that they almost had. So it's just that. I mean, we just thought it's just a year older, right? It's a little bit to me like the Spencer Rattler discussion. It's like, am I sure that Spencer Rattler's a lot better than CJ Stroud? No. Am I sure that Bijan Robinson's a lot better than Trayvon Henderson? No. They're a year older. So they've been through it a little bit. So I guess I'll take the certainty of that, but I took it last. I took the kicker ahead of it. So it, but it it was a reminder again, there's just not a guy. There's not like, there's the backup running back at Alabama always has a guy, but it's like, and they always have a guy who looks like a, he looks like Derrick Henry jr. Right. They have these monster running backs. Is it Brian Robinson? I think is the guy at Alabama this year who was like Najee Harris his backup last year, but it's like, well, I don't know. I guess he's good. I'm not in a hurry to take him. It's instead of Travion Henderson, 
who we think is going to be like, I mean, like who Ohio State's calling little Saquon. It's like, I'm, I am not in a hurry to take snaps away from Trevion Henderson, but yet we've had to see, I still think Nathan, you still are on the, uh, the thinking of that. Like master Teague probably takes the first snap at starting running back, but we're okay with that. We're okay with like whatever those two are and how they work it out. We're not in, in this draft. We were not in a hurry to replace that. No, I, I, and, and I don't know who's going to take the first snap. I, I, I definitely went to the spring, assuming that it would probably be Teague. He obviously had some injury issues. We didn't get to see him this spring. So, I mean, that's still up in the air. Maybe, maybe it's Mayan Williams that has impressed to the point that he's the one out in front and the way he finished last year. I, I don't know. I've always been a little bit of a Teague defender in, in what he produces for Ohio State, but I think we all this whole season – I don't know how long it's going to take, but obviously just it's always going to be that specter of Trayvon Henderson galloping in from the horizon to start scoring touchdowns for this team. So that's our draft. Number one, Derek Stingley Jr. at corner. Number two, Spencer Rattler at quarterback. Number three, um, what's Hamilton's first name from Notre Dame? Fell out of my head. Ty Ty Hamilton. Kyle Kyle Hamilton. Kyle Hamilton plays for Ohio State. (laughs) Kyle Hamilton from Notre Dame at safety. DeMarvin Leal from Texas A&M at defensive tackle. Tyler Linderbaum from Iowa at center. Cade York, the kicker from LSU. Micah McFadden, the linebacker from Indiana. Kayvon Thibodeau, the defensive end from Oregon. Charlie Kolar, the tight end from Iowa State. And Bijan Robinson, the running back from Texas. I'm looking at the 10 guys that we drafted, Nathan. And I think maybe... If they were all offered to Ohio State right now, I think there might only be three that I would say Ohio State should take without hesitation, without worrying about the snaps that would take away from the guys they have, without wondering if like, oh, are our guys actually going to be better than them? I would say three, maybe four. And the others I would all have hesitation on. Who would? How many guys, who would you take without hesitation, if you were Ohio State, from our list of 10? Derek Stingley. That's one. I guess Rattler, without hesitation. I think you would have to, just the upside. I would not take it without hesitation, because I would wonder if it's like, well, by the end of the year, and if you're messing up your quarterback room a little bit or whatever, even though I would take Spencer Rattler overall number one, because the quarterback is so important, I would not do it without hesitation. Because I would wonder in the back of my head, how good was CJ Stroud going to be this year? Personally. So he's not one of my three. Personally, I would take someone like Hamilton without hesitation um, and figure out where everybody fits after. I think he's just too good to pass up. And I think the same with Lindenbaum. I think those guys are just too good at their position um, and could, 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 could elevate the Ohio State level of play uh, enough that you you wouldn't worry about the the snap count. So the three guys that I would take without hesitation: Derek Stingley Jr. number one at cornerback. Honestly, number two would be Cade York at kicker. Just like he's better, he's just better than what they have, no doubt about it. Nobody would yep. argue that. And the third would be Charlie Kolar at tight end, on the case of he's better than their second tight end, and now you can do some two tight end stuff. And then Linderbaum on the offensive line would be the other one that I would would be the three and a half, no hesitation of like, sorry, Luke Whipler, your time will come. Sorry, Matthew Jones. We're just going to plug that guy in at center. Harry Miller, you're staying at guard. But like everybody else, like it's not that I wouldn't take it, but even like 
Kyle Hamilton, I'm, I'm a little bit of like, man, I kind of want to see what Josh Proctor can do. Like, I, I don't, I'm not disagreeing with you, but it's just like the no doubt, like 0% chance in my mind that the guy they're getting would not be better than the guy he's replacing. Right. I mean, just, it would be those three and a half. I, I think then I would probably also actually include Thibodeau. I think that, that just what he is, is too good. And now imagine what your, what your Rushman package becomes with Thibodeau Smith and Harrison. Like that's yeah. your third, that's your third down pass rush every down. If you want it to be uh, and the reason and I think Garrett. And the things that we're talking about here are the things that are actual discussions now, right? Because it's like in the transfer world, these are the kind of things that can happen and are going to happen. Maybe not with the quite on the level of the players we're talking about, but I do think, I just wonder, Nathan, I mean, there's a psychological component of this that if you bring Kayvon Thibodeau in on Zach Harris, on top of Zach Harrison and Tyreek Smith, does he raise the level of Zach Harrison and Tyreek Smith or somehow inhibit them? Because they feel like, oh, they didn't think we were good enough. You know, like, I don't know. It might be raise. Hey, we'll take every great player we can get. Awesome. We'll rotate. Good to go. Maybe you delay Jack Sawyer's development a little bit, but it's worth it. But these are the kind of conversations that this is not only fanciful anymore, right? In the transfer world, this is real. And there is some of this. I do think as Ohio State navigates the transfer portal, there is something. It's not 100% raw talent. Are we 20% better? If we're 20% better, we're taking anybody we can get. I do think there's a little bit more to it than that. And... That's why it's interesting, but I don't just think they'd take, I don't think they'd take an every, every all-star team guy that they'd be offered when they think they have their own all-star team in Columbus already. I do think that'll be interesting to watch as the, the portal stuff plays out in the future, because it's going to be two different kinds of athletes and how they respond to these things. On one hand, will it be, yeah, they did. They didn't believe in me and they brought in somebody else. And now I'm not as first string or I'm not first string at all the way I expected to be. And, what does that mean? Or do you look at like what we just proposed with someone like Thibodeau and be like, who, no matter who goes out there first, you guys don't have a chance now. It's like the, the, between the three of us plus Sawyer, like what chance do you possibly have? Like you're, we're going to just eat everybody alive. So yeah, like bring it on. Like, you know, it, the, when next year when the NFL draft rolls around, they'll be able to say like, well, he was only the third best defensive end at Ohio state. And he's still going in the first round because they just absolutely devoured people. Like that, that's the kind of conversations that could potentially happen as, as people look at this in the future. All right. That's our latest draft. That's the big Wednesday podcast. We appreciate you guys listening to it Thursday. Big uh, Buckeye football futures, Nathan. um, This is going out to people on Wednesday. You will have hit the Tuesday recruiting camp. And we'll be hitting the Wednesday recruiting camp. Again, Steven is off these couple of weeks, but you're going to be out there checking these guys out. Yeah, that's a plan. I'm kind of just going out and, and mingling a little bit. I believe Kayla Harvey, our intern, is also going to be out there this week doing some reporting. She's kind of filling in for Steven. I'm more out there just to kind of get the lay of the land. But we will have something for Thursday off of things that we see and hear on Tuesday and Wednesday. At least that is the plan as of today. And we are looking at another Retalkables uh, we would recommend you guys go back and listen to the 1979 Ohio State Michigan game, which is the Retalkables we did last Friday. We thought that was really fun and really good. And we're going to stick in the 70s. 
And we are going to do, and we're trying to balance. I did, uh, when I was making the plan, I didn't want to do two losses in a row. So we did the 2005 Texas loss. And then we followed up with this Michigan win in 1979. We're going back to another loss. And it's the 1975 season. It's the 1976 Rose Bowl. At the end of the 1975 season, Ohio State goes in undefeated number one and loses to UCLA. And that is a great, great, great Ohio State team. So I think part of it, Nathan, is like, you know, we're not necessarily looking for Ohio State losses to do, but we want to watch, rewatch some of the greatest Ohio State teams. And you sort of got to take the games that are kind of out there. And this is a game that we know is out there. So if you guys want to watch that ahead, it's on YouTube. I actually think it's in two pieces on YouTube the first half and the second half, but it's the might be labeled as the 1976 Rose Bowl at the end of the 1975 season, Ohio State, UCLA. That will be coming on Friday. Make sure you guys are reading cleveland.com slash Buckeye Talk. We'll take all the reviews we can get on Apple Podcasts. Again, the tech subscription, 614-350-3315. For Nathan Baird, I'm Doug Maurice, and that was Buckeye Talk. Buckeye Talk.